1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: All things owe their existence to him. They owe their salvation to him. They have received grace upon grace, God's unmerited favor. And they have arrived, They, so to speak, they are in heaven. And so they tirelessly, thankfully, worship him, and they are just thrilled to be before the throne. They are grateful, they are worshipful, and ceaselessly so. I can see the promised land Though there's pain
0: within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The anthem for all my life
1: Welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues with the Future Grace series, an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to Revelation chapter 4. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: What John sees and what we read is the definition of otherworldly worship. You've heard me say before there are only two religions in the world the religion of human achievement and the religion of divine achievement. One is all the world religions, the religion of, human, of divine achievement is what God has done for us. That's Christianity. And it's nothing like world religion. And our worship should be nothing like pagan worship. And these thrones speak to authority and these crowns speak to the power that God has given those who serve him to do his will. And you just see nothing here. Peals of thunder, torches, seas of glass, 24 elders. Now people say, well, who are the 24 elders? It's hard to say. They could be the patriarchs, And the apostles together, we don't know. The living creatures who sing and praise God with the six wings and the eyes all around seem to be the seraphim that we find in the Old Testament. And the symbolism there is they see everything all around them. And they take in all the glories of of heaven that their creator created. They see unlike we see. And they are overwhelmed themselves, even though heaven is their home. You know, we have to remember that we see through a mirror dimly, right? That's what it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. But we will see things eventually as they are. John is seeing things as they are in a way that he's never seen it before. The the four living creatures, same thing. The 24 elders are. They have seen God face to face. They have known him and they are known by him. And what comes to them naturally is pure, unadulterated worship, That comes to us supernaturally by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit when we surrender our souls, our rights, ourselves, our whole persons to Christ in repentance and faith. They are there, these 24 elders, and they are worshiping. They know no hardship. They know no sadness. They know God has wiped away every tear. They are safely home and enjoy a perspective that we do not yet know. And they are all in They are worshiping him because they understand and their response is heavenly worship, a reaction to the overwhelming glory and majesty of God. And again, it comes to them naturally, but God enables us to worship him in spirit and in truth, supernaturally, here on earth in this fallen, broken world through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, through the understanding that is revealed through his word, and our right response to that. And so we, we can learn from all this. We can learn from all this, which brings us to our second characteristic. Worship in the throne room is with understanding. In other words, it is uh, a worship from the mind. And don't get me wrong, uh, worship can be emotional. There's always an emotional component to worship, I believe, but it is governed It is empowered and it is driven by the mind. The Emotions don't drive the mind. The mind drives the emotions for the Christian. God is a thinking being. He doesn't react uh, impulsively. He responds intentionally to our prayers, to our needs. And we are created in his image and likeness. And so I want you to look with me at verse 8 here. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I mentioned it before, they see everything. I don't know what it's like to have eyes in the back of my head. I know that my children at times thought I did, but it was, they were mistaken. But these creatures have eyes all around and they see all at once the glory of God, the glory of heaven, a world without sin. They, they see, they don't walk by faith, they walk by sight because they are in heaven and they see it all at once and they know as they look around them there's nothing in heaven like him who sits on the throne. And they understand his matchless uniqueness. They understand that he's different from everything and everyone. They understand that he is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come, the eternal God. And they even hear the 24 elders talking about all the world owes its existence to him. All the universe, everything in heaven comes from him. This is the eternal God, the immutable God. He is who he is, he is how he is, and they get it. They get it. And the 24 elders get it too. Watch this, picking up in verse nine. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever they cast their crowns before the throne saying worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and created all things including them owe their existence to him they owe their salvation to him They have received grace upon grace, God's unmerited favor. And they have arrived, so to speak, they are in heaven. And so they tirelessly, thankfully, worship him and they are just thrilled to be before the throne. They are grateful, they are worshipful and ceaselessly so. And they don't cease to give praise because they know that they have received better than they deserve. And the question is as we think about God, as we read our Bibles, as we pray, as we day by day draw every breath and experience the grace of God in so doing, and as we suffer trials for His glory so that He can prepare us for the next task that we face, as it talks about in James, are we thankful like this? Are we, are we, do we understand? how good we have it and how wonderful he is are our thoughts godward or basically inward do we dwell on what we don't have or are we do we even begin to understand what we do have and i get it because we're not in heaven before the throne you know they say you have been saved you are being saved you will be saved these 24 elders have the full fulfillment of their salvation. They have their robes, their heavenly bodies, their resurrection bodies. But you know what? We cannot understand exhaustively what they understand and see, but we can grasp it sufficiently to understand that God deserves our worship, our unmitigated, full-throated, wholehearted worship. It's not something we play at. It's something we work at. And they get it. They understand. And you know what else? They all understand that the Son is God and that the Father is God. And some people say, you know, and sometimes you can just hear people thinking, you know, okay, well, Jesus receives this, you know, glory and honor and wealth and power, you know, in, in, in chapter five and everything. Um, but so does the Father. So it's just worship. So you're seeing Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, deity in bodily form, receive the worship that he deserves. And when you look at Revelation uh, 5 11 and 14, it, it plays out so clearly. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. Think about all that is in them. Saying to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the 24 elders fell down in worship. They received the same glory from those who fall down before them. You know, the, the crowns symbolize to some extent their reward and they understand that their reward is undeserved and they cast their crowns down before the one who in grace and mercy bestowed on them what they do have. And worship is not just with emotions. There is emotion there. It says all that is in them. So their understanding of worship, their understanding of God drives them, moves them to worship him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there certainly is an emotional component to that because they understand how good they have it. They understand how good and glorious God is They see the Father and the Son as creator and redeemer. They see them both as one God, equally deserving of worship. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Which brings us to a third characteristic of worship, heavenly worship and the worship that we should strive, that we should seek to engage in here. Overwhelmed by the grace of God, understanding who he is sufficiently, And how good we have it sufficiently brings us to our third characteristic. Worship in the throne room and in our prayer closet should be untainted. It is untainted in the throne room of God. You see that in Revelation 5, 13 and 14. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the earth and all that is in them with everything they have. They're not holding back They're not dozing off. Their minds are not wandering. Saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Now you remember that phrase we saw at the beginning of chapter four after these things? We're gonna go back there for a moment. After these things, after what things? Well, what came before Revelation chapter four and chapter five? We're all math majors here, right? Two and three, okay? What we're seeing here is untainted worship, uncompromised worship, worship that will not tolerate the unholy. Worship that is not slowed and frustrated and impeded or confused by the things of this world. We are not seeing worship that coasts like Ephesus, who had lost its first love. We're not seeing worship that is compromised like Pergamum, that would tolerate weirdo doctrine. We're not seeing worship that is corrupted like Thyatira, that would let scripturally unqualified people teach and preach. We're not seeing worship that is ho-hum, tepid, like that of Laodicea, or dead, like that of Sardis. And we're not seeing worship that is harried and hurried, perhaps by persecution and weakened in some sense, like the faithful worship of those in Philadelphia and Smyrna. What we're seeing here is unrestrained, untainted, clear-eyed, honed, practiced, and perfected worship. Worship, as I said earlier, that comes naturally to them but can come supernaturally to the likes of you and I. If you work at it, if you practice it, if you hone it, if you offer your whole heart to it, if you strive to do it, you know, we talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, indwelt by the Holy Spirit to do supernaturally in in these fallen bodies what we could not have ever done in our own strength whether it's bear up under a trial persevere under hardship trust in a God that we cannot see and that same Holy Spirit that indwells you and me will enable us if we give ourselves over to it if we strive for it with all of our heart soul, mind and strength overwhelmed by the grace of God overwhelmed by the grace of God understanding who he is we can be Worshipping him with sufficient purity on this planet. Which brings us to our fourth characteristic of worship before the throne of God worship in the throne room of heaven. And that worship is worship that is grateful. And that's woven throughout these two chapters. You can't miss it. Worship in the throne room is grateful. Where do we see this? All over the place. Verse 8, chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We see it in verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for, because you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. We owe our existence to him. We see it in verse 12 in chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and glory and honor and power. And slain for us. Slain for us. You have purchased us. You have made us kings and priests that we should reign on the earth. Grateful because we understand. We have taken the time to read this love letter from another world. Empowered and enlightened by the Spirit of God. Overwhelmed by his grace and glory and power and holiness. We are grateful, thankful to be part of his kingdom work. That's the fourth characteristic. Grateful. That's what they are. What we see is grateful, not grudging. It is responsive. And yes, there's the emotional side. It is reflexive. It is spontaneous, but it is ceaseless. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you redeemed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Grateful. That's worship. It, it is... It is what all worship is, is an expression of gratitude because he created us, he has redeemed us, he has restored us, and he has empowered us, and he has involved us in his kingdom work that we should be priests, intermediaries, ambassadors for Christ. We were once ruined, but now we're redeemed and restored Heaven is our home. We are aliens and strangers here just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven, but we have work to do. And we have work to do in our Father's field. Some plant, some water, some harvest, but God yields the increase. So how then shall we worship? Somebody says, okay, I'm taking all this in. It's overwhelming, it should be, because it is. How do we cultivate or develop this type of worship? This type of worth Well, there are deliberate and intentional steps that you can take. And I could give you, you know, here are 1,352 suggestions for application. But let's go back to Paul Brown at the beginning of this worship service. He read for us Psalm 100, which provides us a blueprint for worship. You certainly have it here in Revelation 4 and 5. But let me just walk you through Psalm one hundred. You can get two sermons for the price of one today. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come in His presence with singing. There's overwhelmed and overwhelming worship. There's a command there. And you know what? I don't want to get too far into the Hebrew here, but it's a pu'al. It's a it's a reflex. It's a reaction. Make a joyful noise. That's the overwhelming response to an overwhelming grace of God. And then it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Some translations say not we ourselves. We are his temple and the sheep of his pasture. That's understanding. You know, if you want to scripture pray, and here's a great passage, understand who he is, right? Enter his gates With thanksgiving, his courts with praise, undistracted, untainted worship. This is a great little blueprint for you. And then it says, Give thanks to him, bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and ever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Grateful because of who he is and how he is, and his mercy and grace to you. You know, sometimes when you want to pray or sometimes when you're coming in here or getting ready for prayer or for communion, your mind is tied in knots. Sometimes you just want to take a scripture like that, read a line, pray, read a line, pray, and gear up and get ready for overwhelmed and overwhelming, untainted worship. You take deliberate steps because while it comes naturally in heaven, it has to come supernaturally here because we are fallen creatures. Our frames, as it says in Psalm 139, are but dust and we need all the help we can get and we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, whose love has been shed abroad in our hearts and we can take Psalm 100 or you can take Revelation 4 and use it to reorient your mind as to how you should think so that you do not play at worship, but that you work at it until God takes you home and you can see things not through a mirror dimly but as they are and be known and know as you are known to him. So that is worship. It is overwhelmed and overwhelming. It is done with understanding. It is untainted. Real worship is untainted. You don't give to get you get, but you give because you got. and it is therefore worship that is grateful. And that is what we learn from these two chapters. Lots of shiny objects, and we'll get into the scrolls. They're coming. The trumpets, the seven seals. we're getting into all of it. But we want to approach this study with a worshipful attitude. And so let me pray for us and then when I'm done, while I'm praying, maybe you start getting your head and your heart ready for communion. Father, we thank you for this picture of worship before the throne of grace, before the throne of God. We thank you, Father, for this clear text that teaches us a lot about you and a lot about Jesus and how we should respond and react to you in holy, humble grateful worship father holistic worship with our whole bodies father With our whole minds with our whole hearts lord help us to be transformed by what we read lord help us to to work at this father empowered and enabled by the holy spirit with minds informed and understanding granted by the word of god and help us to do what we do for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own growth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live.